This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, January 8th, 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. We're joining you today and most of this week from CES in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Honda looks to North America for a possible $14 billion EV plant. Cruise makes an offer to resolve the probe into last fall's pedestrian crash. And dealers get more time to file EV tax credit paperwork. Plus, China auto industry expert Michael Dunn says U.S. automakers should be, quote, terrified of competition from the likes of BYD and others. China's EV industry is a sort of like modern Godzilla, the likes of which Americans have never seen before. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Honda is weighing a plan to build a $14 billion electric vehicle plant in Canada, That's according to a report over the weekend from Japan's Nikkei. Nikkei reports that the company is considering several sites, including one next to its automobile factory in Alliston, Ontario. It says Honda will likely make a decision by the end of the year and then bring the new site online as soon as 2028. Nikkei didn't identify how it obtained the information. The project may also include in-house production of batteries, Nikkei reported, It would represent Honda's second EV plant in North America if it goes ahead as planned. General Motors' cruise robo-taxi unit has offered to pay $75,000 to resolve a safety investigation by California regulators. The probe is looking into Cruise's failure to disclose details of a pedestrian crash involving a self-driving car. In December, the California Public Utilities Commission ordered Cruise to appear at a February 6th hearing. It cited the company for misleading the commission by omitting the extent and seriousness of the accident and for making misleading public comments on interactions with the agency. Cruz has fired nine executives, including its chief operating officer and chief legal and policy officer over the October crash. It has pulled all of its U.S. vehicles from self-driving testing and the unit's CEO, Kyle Vogt, and co-founder, Dan Kahn, resigned in November. Cruz has asked for the February 6th hearing to be deferred and seeking another way to resolve the matter. The UAW has reached an agreement with auto parts maker Allison Transmission Holdings. The tentative deal would cover 1,500 workers in Indianapolis. The union says the four-year contract guarantees a starting wage of $20 an hour for UAW employees, retroactive pay hikes back to November 15 and two categories of bonus that amount to $7,000. Allison makes fully automatic transmissions for medium and heavy-duty commercial vehicles and U.S. defense vehicles, as well as electrified propulsion systems. Its customers include the Pentagon, Trayton, Daimler, and Packard. 
and U.S. car dealers will have more time to report sales of electric vehicles that qualify for federal tax credits that they are offering directly to customers. Starting this month, consumers who make clean car purchases at registered dealers are allowed to receive discounts at the point of sale that are equal to the value of their tax credits. The IRS says under the extension, Car dealers will have until Friday, January 19th, to submit reports about eligible sales that take place between January 1st and January 16th. The agency says the change is being made to give dealers more time to adjust to the new system. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, so there's possible plans of Honda building a new battery factory plant in North America. Is that tied to what we're going to see here at CES this week? It seems like it kind of is. Uh, Obviously, it's a bit of a speculative report, uh, but we know that Honda is planning to show their new EV line here at CES. They've talked about their plans to have 30 new models available by 2030. So building an EV plant and a battery plant at at $14 billion, it has to include a battery plant. Uh, So to build a building a battery plant and an EV assembly plant in North America, Canada makes as much sense as any. Uh, So I I, I do think there's a connection. Gotcha. Coming up, China auto industry expert Michael Dunn says U.S. automakers are underestimating the threat of Chinese rivals such as BYD. We'll hear from him next on Daily Drive. Daily Drive is kicking off the new year by reviving an old name in a new format. We're bringing back a weekend drive edition of Daily Drive. Jamie and I will go deeper into the biggest automotive stories of the week. Every weekend, you'll hear fresh insights, analysis, and what has me running hot, if not overheated. To think that's going to get done in a year, a little over a year, is um, foolishly optimistic. That's that's a little dark, but let's shift to something (laughs) a little more positive. You'll also hear from our experts in the newsroom here at Automotive News about the latest industry trends and topics. EV sales are not declining. That's the narrative we're kind of seeing outside of the industry. They aren't declining, but the pace of growth definitely has slowed. Come back this weekend for our Weekend Drive edition of Daily Drive. And of course, tune in every weekday for all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose Recontract. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. Interested in learning more? Don't miss Recontract at NADA 2024. Stop by booth 3157W or visit info.recontract/nada for more information. That's info.recontrac.com/nada. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. 
Last week, we talked here on the show about BYD's momentum heading into the new year. The Chinese EV and hybrid vehicle makers sold more fully electric vehicles than Tesla did in the fourth quarter. Here at CES this week, while many domestic automakers sit out the show, BYD is showing off its latest products and technologies to this American audience. Michael Dunn says he doesn't think any of it is a blip. The Chinese auto industry expert and CEO of Dunn Insights tells Automotive News tech and innovation team leader Pete Bigelow that U.S. automakers should be, quote, terrified of BYD and other Chinese rivals. They spoke on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You wrote an article published within the past week that has generated a lot of interest and discussion, probably some concern as well. Uh, the headline is why everyone except Tesla should be terrified of BYD. Uh, Michael, can you explain? Look, we in Detroit, let's say we in Detroit because I'm originally from Detroit, right? So we need to begin to understand that China's EV industry is a sort of like modern Godzilla, the likes of which Americans have never seen before. The size, the power, and maybe most important, the ambition. China will make, in retrospect, the Japanese and the Korean competition look like small potatoes by comparison. Now, the trick is, because we don't see cars on Detroit roads, on American uh, Chinese cars on Detroit roads on, in America, we tend to say, eh, no, probably not. Here we go again, the, the boy who cried wolf. What do we have to be afraid of? This time, I'm here to tell you this. The, the, the things have changed. The script is flipped. The Detroit Three used to be on the global offensive, including with massive joint ventures in China. That era is over. Jeep left China last year. Ford and GM sales are down by more than 50% since their peak in 2017 in China. Now Detroit is retreating and China has taken the offensive. So it's real, the threat, the danger. And that's why everyone except Tesla should be concerned maybe terrified. You were on in September 19, May 2020, and that the message then was telling us that, that China's ascendance was, was coming. And uh, are you saying now that, it, that it's here? It has arrived, Pete, uh, by many measures. Let's remind ourselves, China's the number one producer of vehicles worldwide by far, number one producer of electric vehicles, more than the rest of the world combined. And probably the most significant, last year, China became the world's number one exporter, racing past Japan. So China shipped 5 million cars to markets worldwide, to more than 120 markets, basically to every market in the world except the United States. So why is that significant? Because when you're able to export at scale, that says customers around the world think, hey, this, these are good value for money. They're reliable decent looking, good value for money vehicles. And uh, there's the momentum that the Chinese have right now is, is just, just incredible. How are they executing? How, how did they put this together where all of a sudden now we're seeing the, the results? Couple of things going on, Pete. One is about five years ago, Chinese automakers began to recruit and hire and pay the best designers in the world to come to China and help them improve their looks both inside and outside. At the same time, they tapped into China's own very advanced tech industry to really enhance the digital experience inside the car. So they've made the cars much better looking. They're, they're 
world-class in terms of their software, their infotainment systems. Uh, they've transformed. It's as if Chinese automakers went into COVID in 2020 and emerged in, from a time machine three years later, looking so much bigger, stronger, faster. It's, it's a shock to people in the industry. But basically what they did is they started to pay attention to quality. They saw it, it worked for the Koreans and the Japanese, and that's the difference today. When you think of Chinese cars, do not make the mistake of thinking, oh, these are cheap cars that are iffy when it comes to quality. No, they're right there. They're strong. I've driven the BYDs, I've driven the Polestars, the SAIC MGs. Pete, it's on. So I'm curious, in terms of that technology, and I'm thinking about that right now from a vehicle cockpit perspective or an infotainment perspective, maybe an automated driving or ADAS perspective, what's on the road today in China that would shock us here in America? Gosh, okay. So on the autonomous side in several cities in China, if you go there today, you'll be able to ride into in autonomous vehicles by Baidu. Baidu is sort of the Google of China. There's also We Ride, Auto X, Pony, uh, and others who today are already transporting people around cities in autonomous vehicles, sometimes with a driver on board, sometimes without. So from a regulatory point of view and from a technology point of view, the Chinese are right there with us with regards to autonomous vehicle technologies if not ahead. And I say maybe ahead because the Chinese regulatory system is set up to make commercial, uh, the commercialization of autonomous vehicles move faster. And in the United States, it may be the opposite. So they have an edge there. Then once you get inside the car, just to give you a picture of, you know, life inside of China, for the average Chinese driver, buyer of a car, he or she's less interested in the acceleration, the handling, the braking of a vehicle, and much more interested in the experience, the digital experience, once they're inside the car. What's infotainment look like? Can they play the karaoke? How easy is it to get to their next destination? Can they use voice command as well as uh, touch screen? It's all happening, it's all live, and the Chinese tech sector has led this push into infusing China's auto industry with state-of-the-art first-class uh, digital experiences. So they're, they're right there, if not ahead in that regard too. And again, it's hard for us to conceive of that sitting in America, in Detroit, because we don't see the products on our roads yet. So if I put my shoes in the executive of a traditional automaker here in Detroit, emphasize for us, why does this matter? Why can't I just keep on making pickup trucks and SUVs that are profitable and and kind of close close my mindsets to to that you know international realm. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Well, that that's nice to think about, but the reality tells us a different story. And specifically at China, uh, specifically within China, there's a price war going on. You may have read about it, ignited by Tesla about a year ago. So, bottom line today, Chinese automakers at home make very, very little money, very little money, and they need to go global in order to be profitable. So in the last 18 months, we've seen them aggressively pushing into Europe, and today they're getting ready to enter the North American markets. Um, 
They're already, get this, Pete, they're already the number one supplier of vehicles to the Mexican market. China supplies more vehicles to the Mexican market than anyone else. Talk about someone right on your doorstep. In 2024, we'll see the Chinese go into Canada. And yes, they are all getting ready. How do we play this exactly right? We want into the US market. We understand we're not really that welcome today, but we'll bide our time. We need the US market. We need the profits and the upside from the US market. So it's not as if, you know, the Detroit Three can say, well, maybe they'll skip us. No, you won't. Michael, you mentioned that to this point, China is on the offensive in Europe, in Mexico, coming to Canada soon. What does it mean that, you know, as you mentioned, they're not welcome here in the United States uh, just yet? What does it mean that so instead of being welcomed here, they've encircled and isolated the United States? And in a sense, have they already won a first round of competition here with U.S. automakers in the way that they've approached that, that global market? You mentioned the word encircle, and I think that's really fitting. You know, Mao Zedong famously said during the China's own civil war, he said, we're going to take the countryside and surround the cities. So if we apply that to our situation here today, the Chinese automakers are essentially occupying global markets from Africa to Southeast Asia, South America, places like Brazil, um, Middle East, Israel, now Europe, and their final prize is the U.S. market. What's holding them up are a couple of things. One is during the Trump administration, we put in place a 25 percent import duty on cars built in China. So that's one deterrent. But if, when I talk to the Chinese automakers, what really worries them most is what they call litigation. They find the United States to be a highly litigious society. They're not wrong about that, probably. And in, if they got into legal trouble at home, they can always work that out because they talk to the party and it, it gets smoothed out and they can't get their mind around. Wait a second. Here in the United States, we could get into some serious regulatory issues with the federal government, with the state government, with our dealers. Wow, this is kind of overwhelming and we're not that welcome. Political relations between the U.S. and China are at the all time, you know, 50 years. It hasn't been this bad in 50 years. Where do we step and not step on a landmine? So. From a product point of view, they're extremely confident. When I talk to them, they say, no question we're going to win market share and customers in the United States. But on the political regulatory front, they're really, really feeling out of sorts and sort of telling me that they won't do anything until after the next presidential election. Let the dust settle and see if there's some way for them to get in safely. Michael Dunn is CEO of Dunn Insights. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Countlin Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on China's growing EV industry, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.